can say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. And I can be who it says I can be. Today, I boldly declare, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. Now I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you that you love your people so much that this word is going to change their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So I want to talk to you about caves and castles. Caves and castles. Caves and castles. So I remember one time uh, Evan was talking to me and he said, Sweet, I have a question. Don't get offended by the question. Now you already know when somebody sets up that and says, Don't get offended. You're going to get offended. So he said, I need to know, why do women squeeze themselves into a size that's too small and their bodies are like forcing their ways out when they could just buy a bigger size? So I had to tell him the truth. I said, because in our head... We are our high school size. Are you kidding me? As long as we can squeeze in it, we are that size. So no, we don't want to buy the bigger size. Because then it means we have enlarged ourselves. And that's a taboo. So we will paint ourselves in there, shimmy ourselves in there, squeeze ourselves. And then he says, why do you all resist increase? Because increase looks better on you. If you just wear a size that has a little growing room. Than a size you've outgrown. He said it's not attractive. He said just in case anybody wants to know. I'm just telling them. It's not attractive. To be in a size that doesn't fit you anymore. It's like Cinderella's little stepsisters trying to force their big old feet into Cinderella's glass slipper. Nearly shattered the thing. Have you ever done that? Try to squeeze your big vision into small minds around you. (laughs) Passed up a managerial job because you knew that you were the bomb at the supervisor level. And you are the star as a supervisor. But now as a manager, you may be swimming in water that you feel you're going to be swallowed up in. So I'd rather be the star in a smaller space than take on the challenge and get a bigger grace. So even though you are uncomfortable trying to fit in the smaller space that you're in, you already know you kind of outgrown it. The fear of that bigger space overtakes you. You've pushed ideas away because two sizes too small. However uncomfortable was more comfortable. That two sizes too big. What do we do when the prayers we have prayed are right upon us? They're right there. We can see them. But we run from them instead of running towards them. You know, let me tell you this. I was in the delivery room with Landon. We had prayed for Landon. You know the story. We really prayed for this boy. And we were in the hospital room and we were about to have delivery. 
And what, 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 what? No, it's time for increase. Time, God's a big blessing. What we've prayed and waited years for is happening in lifetime. And I don't know if I'm ready. But who was not helping me get ready? Was the cheerleader to my right. He was supposed to be the comfort, the bomb in Gilead. Oh no. Oh sweet, his head's so big. What you gonna do? Oh, oh sweet, sweet. Sweet, how he gonna get out? Doc, that, it, 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 that can't work. It's not gonna happen like that. Oh God, sorry. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I had my brother in the delivery room with me. I know it's weird to you, but when you have the husband that's doing that, you need the brother who's calm, who's going to, sorry, you got this. You did it before. You can do it. Because when increase is coming upon you, it can seem bigger than you imagine, more than you can bear, that next level. And all that you've prayed for, God is wanting to encourage us today not to run away from it, but to run to it. Because the bigger is part of our portion. According to Isaiah 43, Isaiah 43, 18 through 19. I love this. It says, forget, forget. What does forget mean? To neglect intentionally. Neglect intentionally. Starve it. Be willful. Forget intentionally. Disregard the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Some of you used to be squatters on the past. Now you're full-blown dwellers, set up shop, built a neighborhood, have your own subdivision on the past. And he's saying, but I need you to neglect it intentionally. He says, behold, I will, it's in my will. I've already prescribed and predetermined I will do something new. Now. Not, not, not in the future. Not Jubilee going to happen next year. No, not in the next 50 days. No, now. It will spring forth. But here's the question. By an act of your will, will you not be aware of it? Will you not perceive it? Will you not understand it? Will you not have a revelation on it? I will make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Word of Truth Family Church, can I tell you that what we have prayed for is upon us? That it's not behold, I'm going to do a new thing next year. And I'm going to do it five years from now. No, that new thing is already happening here. But many of us have not perceived it because we've never even been over to the property to see it. So now, when it's time for you to forget Mansfield High School and forget Seguin High and forget Kenneth Davis and walk into this new thing, it's going to be like in that delivery room. Oh my God! It's bigger than I thought! How will I make it? Epidural, epidural, epidural. And you're going to shock. Wondering, can you handle the increase? But it's not that you didn't have a chance. You did not neglect. 
select intentionally that this space in Mansfield is not where we belong. And if you're not careful and I'm not careful, we'll make temporary situations permanent landmarks. So Isaiah is saying this. He was a prophet in the time of many kings, several kings of Judah. And God's people, he was sent to warn God's people and he kept telling them, don't keep remembering the past. Stop acting like you're still crossing the Red Sea. Stop acting like you're in the desert. Stop doing these things and perceive I have already moved on from there. I have moved on. So in order for us to receive, for us to perceive what God is doing, we have to neglect the past. What is, what is perceiving? You see, God will give you a revelation. What is a revelation? According to my bishop, a revelation is an understanding of the word of God at the level of your comprehension that brings confidence and conviction to live differently. Revelation is an understanding of the word of God at the level of your comprehension that brings confidence and conviction to live differently. Remember, God will meet you at the level of your expectation. And your expectation is your capacity to believe. So if you never perceive and receive the new thing, your capacity to believe where you fit and your, and your ability to move into that will not be matching where you need to go because you'll still be over here when God is doing something over there. I love how it says, he dwells. I love that he says dwell because, you know, if we're not careful, the thing that God wants to do, the new thing will be overlooked for the previous thing or the now thing. But it's a new thing. So turn with me to um, 1 Samuel 22. 1 Samuel 22. 1 Samuel 22. It's like this. You know, in Jamaica, we get hurricanes. We just had a hurricane in, um, in South Carolina or North Carolina. South Carolina? South. Both. The Carolinas. How about that? We had a hurricane. But Jamaica's had hurricanes too. And I remember one time, there's a really bad hurricane in the 80s called Gilbert. And I mean, it was just horrible. And for months, we didn't have electricity. We had to boil our water. America was helping by sending us all this canned corned beef. I mean, we ate corned beef five million different ways. I mean, we know how to fry it, stuff it, steam it, put it with cabbage, mix it with rice. I mean, eat it dry, add salt and pepper, put garlic, add a bit of green peppers to it. I mean, we could bake that canned beef in any kind of way. We had little kerosene lamps, you know, and had to learn to boil your water all the time. Well, months of that, schools are shut down, banks are shut down, glasses everywhere, animals are flying in the sky. You know, after a while, when everything is restored and this electricity has come back, you find people still boiling water, even though the water was good. Or people forget to turn on the lights because they got used to being in the dark. And you and I, that can happen to us that we don't realize that a temporary mindset has sat in our space too long. And it's time for us to move forward. Are you in 1 Samuel 22nd? All right. 
Don't find your identity in the testimony of your past, but in the testament of your future. It's easy and good for us to dwell on the past and reinforce it in the name of testimony. But the greater testimony is not where I've come from, but where I'm going to. The greater testimony is not what God has delivered me to, but that I actually fulfilled what he's called me to. You see, he can deliver me, but I never fulfill the promise. Well, then all of that drama that I went through was not beneficial because I never fulfilled the other side of it. So if you're going to go through it, then go to it. Amen? All right, it's the first Samuel 22nd. Are you there? So this is a story about King David, right? So this was marking the first four day, uh, years that David had kind of fled from Saul. You know the story. David had beaten Goliath in the valley of Elah. And when he beat Goliath, you know, he became famous as a teenager, you know, like Instagram famous, you know, boom, found out on YouTube. What warrior? It was amazing. Had all these followers and then he got a wife and he was now the king's son-in-law. And all these people now were celebrating David as he went to war and war and war and came back victorious. They started singing songs about him. Naming streets and oh, David, you know, Saul has killed thousands, but David tens of thousands. And then David had uh, started getting attacked by Saul. Saul was becoming jealous, you know, of David. So it's, a, it's a sad thing when those who raise you become jealous of you. Just saying. Anyway, that's another lesson. So he runs away and he, he escapes and he's running for, from Saul. He runs from Saul for a total of eight years. But in this first four years, he runs to the cave of Adullam. Now the cave of Adullam is only a couple of miles away from the valley of Ella. And when they say the cave of Adullam, it's not just one cave. It's a series of caves in a space. So he's in this cave space where he can see his last victory, the victory that made him famous, the thing that put him on the map. Yet he's running away. He's called to be king, but he is in the cave. He's supposed to be in a castle, but he's in the cave. He can see, boy, I was good for that, but right now I feel so defeated. I'm running away from what I'm called to. So he's in the cave looking at his past greatest victory. And not remembering and recalling God has called him to greater victory. So the Bible says in 1 Samuel 22, 1 through 5. So David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard about it, they went down there to him. Everyone who was suffering hardship and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. Misery does love company. Now we get the misnomer and, and um, disillusioned idea that these pe- people were, because they were distressed, because they were in debt, that they were like some random servants or people from some other place. No, these were people who were more than likely impacted by Saul like David were. That's why he could raise up an army of them. They weren't non-skilled people. They were people who were stressed, people who were oppressed, people who were in debt as well. They had problems, but it doesn't mean that because they had problems, they weren't skilled. So he's in here with them and it says he came, became captain over them and there were about 400 men with them. 
And David went from there to Mizpah of Moab and said to the king of Moab, why? Because David's great grandmother was Ruab the Moabitess. And so he said, please let my father and my mother come out and stay with you until I know what God will do for me. Take that note, side note, take care of your parents if you can. You see what David did? Hooked his mother and father up with his great-grandmother's people. Said, hey, while I'm in this struggle, while I'm in this thing, take care of my parents. Just showing you that, honor your parents. Amen? All right, that had nothing to do the lesson, but I just thought to tell you. Then he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed there the whole time David was in the stronghold. The cave was a stronghold, not a safe place. You're running away. There's not, it's not safe for you to run away. It can become a stronghold. Then the prophet God said to David, Do not stay in the cave. Do not stay in the stronghold. Leave and go into the land of Judah. So David left and went into the forest of Herod. Where was the land of Judah? Where Saul was already reigning. David... Leave your little tent. Leave your little cave. Stop running away from increase and that next level. Run to the place you're supposed to take dominion over. Go back into that space. What's a cave mine? I'm going to tell you what's a cave mine. So in the cave, David wrote Psalm 142. And here's what it says. Look at David. He up in the cave, you know. Just over there looking where Goliath was. And he's like, man, I wish all these 400 hungry people, they want me to, I don't know nothing. You know, he didn't even realize that because he was called king, God was training him to lead 400, but on his mind was really 4 million. But he could have been satisfied with the 400. You know, I'm leading people here, you know, we're growing, you know, we're kind of expanding. We don't know light or water, but we're making it. We're making it. But he is not called to the cave, he's called to the castle. So in Psalm 142, this is how he starts. I cry aloud in my voice to the Lord. I make supplication with my voice to the Lord. I pour out my complaints to him. I declare all my troubles before him. When my spirit was overwhelmed. And weak within me. You know my path. And the way I walked. They have hidden a trap for me Jesus. Look to the right. There's an attack. And see. For there is no one. No one who has regard for my life. No one to act in my favor. Escape has failed me. And I have nowhere to run. No one cares about my life. This is how we are in the cave. That's a cave mine. Nobody sees me. Nobody cares. I'm just here all by myself. You know, nobody understands the struggle. You know, I called the office one time. They didn't even call me back. It's been 20 minutes. I mean, like, what's up with that? I know it's 12 to 1 and they're supposed to be closed, but I have an emergency. That church don't care about me. Ooh, I came to church on Sunday and boy, I, I tried to, you know, say hi to, you know, you know, pastor so-and-so or, you know, leader so-and-so. And boy, you know, they had six boxes holding, but they should have let them go and just hug me. I mean, what's wrong? They don't care about me. 
You know, I mean, you know, I've gotten denied a job another time and I came up for prayer. Nobody understands my struggle. You know, I'm never going to get that prayer, that, that job because, you know, I've applied. That's cave mentality. Cave mentality is shifty. Cave mentality is temporary. Cave mentality is small. And so you have to bear in mind that while David is saying he's he's all alone, there's 400 other people with him though. But that's what the cave will make you do. It makes you not see right. You won't even see who is with you. But a cave mind will have you escape in the next level instead of entering it. So you'll think you're unworthy of the next level. Sometimes you'll talk yourself out of the next level. You convince yourself. Oh, you know... I'm not good enough for it. It's good. I used to do this. You know, Pastor Evan gave me a lesson. Now, you may get offended by this lesson, but it's okay because it's my story. And um, I'm not offended. So one time we were in New York, maybe four or five years ago. So, you know, he's always giving me lessons. You know, you're not the only members of his church. I'm the first member. And I have church all the time. It's like the seraphims and cherubims in Revelations, 24 hours of worship. Yeah, I get 24 hours of lessons. Oh, joy to the world. (laughs) Yay me. So one time we were in uh, New York. And, um, you know, he and his best friends, you know, they just, oh, we were at a Pastor Joel's thing. And, you know, they just enjoying themselves. And, you know, where am I? I'm at the Lego store, you know, hooking, landing up with the Legos. I'm at the museum, you know, we looking, you know, at the museum. I'm with heaven. She wants to go on the little carriage ride. You know, I'm doing all this. So finally he comes and he says, um, babe, did you, um, sweet, did you, did you, did you buy yourself anything yet? I said, oh, no, 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 no. No, I'm, I'm not going to be doing that. Um, we're back, you know, I've already taken land in here. So, of course, you know, he enjoys himself. You can tell, right? Yeah. He takes care of himself. He loves himself. Now, he doesn't love himself to the point of, like, selfishness. But that's how he can love you all so much because he loves himself a lot. That's why he loves you all a lot. Okay? So, I was like, no, I'm okay. You know, I don't need anything. You know, when in truth and in fact, I just didn't have the courage to go spend money on myself. I didn't even know I had a problem. This is like I'm saying recently, like not even like well, not 20 years ago, probably a couple of years ago. So he was like, you need to go to the store and buy something. I said, I don't really need to do that. He says, no, we're going to go into Saks Fifth Avenue. I said, no, no, I've never really been in there. I don't want to go. Let's not do it. So he's, we're going to walk in there and you're going to use your money. And you're going to buy yourself the most expensive shoes you've ever bought. Why? I don't want to. So, I wanted the shoe. I just didn't want to pay for it. Okay, you understand how that is. You want to spend everybody else's money. Aye, aye, aye. So, um, we were going down. So, we're walking and we are walking. And he's beginning to deliver me on the streets of New York. Like I'm having a deliverance session. So, where did you get this idea from? Why, why is it easy for you to buy gifts for other people, but you don't want to buy gifts for yourself? How is it that you can take care of somebody that well, but you don't want to take care of yourself? Where did you get this idea? You know, this is a poverty mentality. You know that you need to break through this. You know, where I am now in tears on 7th Avenue, okay? I am just like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> why? Why? So, I was here. Why haven't you seen my trouble? <laughs> I can't take care of myself. Went into that store and he force fed me. <laughs> but something broke over me. It wasn't about the shoe. It wasn't about the cost of the shoe. It was that I thought too little of myself for the next level of increase. But I thought of others better. So it was too hypocritical of me because then now I could pray for you 
and be in full faith. But then I would tell God why. In the subconscious parts of my heart. Why I knew he wouldn't answer it for me. Because I live with me. And I know me. And I put my standards on God's. And I put my measuring stick to his grace. And so then when it's time for him to move me into a castle moment. A moment of increase or a level up. Like you're doing a game. You just get passive and level back down. Because this level I'm more comfortable at because I can control this. I'm a master here. I know this. So it wasn't about the shoe that day as much as do you willfully choose to expand your mind to accept what God has for you. Because if God has more for you, then he has more to do through you. Amen? Amen. But David was never, never called to the caves. He was called to the castle. And one day he had to realize that if he was going to do anything worth doing, he needed to get up out of those caves. So you need to stop wondering where you fit in and start wondering where you should be leading in. You got that? Oh, where will I fit into the new building? Where will I fit into my ministry? No, no. Sit down and figure out a plan and and create your own leadership position. Um, hey, Pastor Che, uh, this is what uh, I have seen. It's going to happen here. And, you know, it's a possibility we could probably merge those or maybe do that. Come up with a strategy. Don't sit down there and let the devil get into your brain thinking about what's going to happen, what's not going to happen. No, you begin to figure out, where am I going to lead? I've been here long enough in this temporary situation. I can lead. Amen. Don't get afraid of later, of greater and later. So a cave mentality sounds like this. Remember that last time, a castle mentality looks like this. But I'm looking forward to the next time. A cave mentality says, I'm going to stay in an apartment. I don't have to mow the grass. <laughs> I don't have any bills. You know, not. A castle mentality says, but I belong in a house. It's my God-given right to own property. That's what Joshua says. I'm supposed to take territory. I'm supposed to dominate. So yeah, it's going to be more. But God has already given me the more. That's why there's more. I remember one time pastors call himself complaining. He don't complain. But one time he was around Pastor Bridget and he tried to complain a little. And he was like, whew, we got $40,000 or $50,000 worth of bills to pay this week. I guess he was looking for sympathy. I'm not sure why he said it. And she just turned around and said, well, thank God you got the 50000 to pay it. Because you wouldn't have those bills if you didn't have the money to pay it. So instead of complaining about it, thank God you increased to that level that you have it. Amen? A cave mentality is comfortable in its current job. But the castle mentality is challenged in the next level job. A cave mentality says, I trust what I know. Acasa says, I'll trust what I believe about the one I know. So God just sent me here as we close to tell you, stop being satisfied with the crumbs under the table when God wants you slicing bread at the table. Stop being okay with shifty, temporary, squatting mentalities. Whatever that means. A cave in your marriage could be like, well... You know, I remember when, 
we were just married. But that's 30 years ago. Okay. That's 30 years now. Okay. Things have moved around in all directions. All right. The only thing had moved is in your brain. You don't realize you yourself have moved. But you looking at the other person like, I don't know what has happened to them. No, no. What has happened to you? Heller. Everybody goes through changes. But you have to understand. It's time to get out your cave. Stop being so satisfied with no lights and no water. Or intermittent blessings. Intermittent increase. Every now and then. Every five years I got a testimony. The testimony you're telling us now is the same one that you had 20 years ago. Because you got stuck at that Goliath victory. You got stuck at that 1996 like Uncle Rico game. You were the quarterback. You got stuck when you were a linesman. Got stuck when you were a drummer. You know, you got stuck when you were doing all those kind of things. So when you see your friends and you go to the family reunions and stuff, you try to lose weight to impress them to make look like you back in 1982. You're not in 1982. You're 60. You're supposed to look 60-ish. Never did Botox in your life. All of a sudden, I'm going to meet them. You're afraid to have these lumps in there from so much Botox. God is saying, the consequence... Of not leaving the cave is forfeit and shrinkage. It's like a a goldfish. A goldfish will only grow to the capacity of the container it's put in. The container of your mind limits the ability of your growth. And as long as you and I reject the next leveling God for whatever reasons... The next level in our relationships. The next level in our careers. The next level in that calling and that deep thing he's putting in the hearts of us. Then as long as we do that, we'll be like that goldfish only this big. But our potential is to be like the Japanese koi. We could be this big. Same species. Different environment. Same water. Just in large space. So you'll shrink back or you'll forfeit. If I was in that delivery room and decided I am not going through this pain, I'm going to do everything to stop this baby from coming through. If I have to sit on top of this baby, I would have let the oxygen leave my body and I would have terminated my blessing. And some of you are going through pains. The prophet has said, we are leaving Adullam. We are leaving this fortified city of yesterday. We are leaving the past. Leave the past. Leave your past divorces. Leave your exes. Leave your past attitudes. And ways, some, some of the ways y'all talk, I don't even get, I don't even understand how you can use that kind of language. Who is that? That's cave mentality. Kings don't talk like they're from caves. Kings talk like they know every word they say has authority in it. Kings know that every ounce of their, their verbiage is a sealed and signed document. So no, you cannot talk how you want to talk unless you're going to stay here in the cave. 
you gotta, you gotta act right. You gotta do different. Shrinkage and regret. You don't want to regret. I would or could or wish I did. Oh my gosh. Don't, for, don't forfeit the favor of tomorrow for the familiarity of today. But pastor, you know, I've always been like this. That's a problem. But you saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled and fire baptized. You don't have a choice. But you do have a choice. But you should not make the choice to keep staying the same way. You know, my husband says that there are different levels of commitment. Level four is you're not committed at all. Level three is 50 50. 50% of my life is submitted to God. 50% of my life is not submitted to God. That means whatever you hear, only 50% going to stick. Then he says there's there's a level two. 75% is submitted to God. 25% is a struggle. But it's an unsubmitted struggle. It's a struggle that I fold my arms and go, I'm not doing it. I don't care. I know the Bible said, treat my wife right. I'm going to do what I want to do. She don't need my password. She don't know where my codes are. I don't care. 25% of a non-submitted struggle is, I cuss and I'm always going to be a cusser. That's what I do. We cuss in our family. That's what we do. We cuss. Okay. I'm just going to be a cussing Christian. Call me Christian the cusser. That 25 unsubmitted struggle is, I'm just going to show out. I'm going to show out in the line. Anybody give me bad customer service, I'm going to let them have a piece of my weave. That, you know? And then there's level one. 75% of you is submitted to God. And you still have a 25% struggle. But it's a surrendered struggle. God, I don't want to be a cussor. I mean, I cussed three times today, God. Help me make it down to two. Help, help when people hear my words, Lord. They, they're seasoned with salt and they, they bring grace to the hearer. Lord, Lord, you know, it's a surrendered struggle. Lord, yeah, you know, boy, I, I turned on that TV at 3 a.m. and watched that channel, Lord. I mean, I only did it five times last week, but this week, Lord, two times. It's a surrendered struggle. And God is saying, take, move on to level one move to level one so let's pray don't become satisfied with less than instead of blessed than the young rich ruler had a cave mentality he could have been a disciple of Jesus but what did he end up being just a decimal in the story but there's a castle mentality in the guy who had the, the bed who was paralytic. And Jesus said, pick up your bed and walk. He said, forget this. I'm not going to be held back anymore. I'm going to get up. So God is setting the message to us. What stronghold in your mind do you need to leave in the altar today? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Every eye closed. Is that stronghold? I keep thinking I'm going to be passed up. What is that thought that you need to take captive today? What is that experience or that event? Or maybe it's just that 25% that you refuse to submit. Maybe that's your stronghold that now you need to submit it to the Lord. Maybe it's that lie that the devil is telling you no one will ever marry you. Maybe that's the cave that you've decided to live in. So now your attitude and your demeanor and everything looks like no one will ever marry you. 
because you become hostage to the cave. I want to give us a chance to pray. If you know that there's a stronghold in your mind, there's a, a cave part to you that needs to shift. I want to say a prayer for you. If you just raise your hands with me, let me just say, I see your hands all over the house. I see your hands all over the house. Amen. You can put your hands down. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, or you know you need to recommit your life to Him today, or you want to become a part of Word of Truth Family,